And welcome everybody to the 50th episode of Millennial Manhood. Today we've got a little celebration episode. We're excited. It's fun. Never in a million years did I think it would get this far, but it did. So in today's episode, it's actually two separate segments. Um, Two great folks that I've had on the podcast before actually interviewed me and asked me some questions about some of the things that have transpired over the last year, how the podcast has grown, etc. So I think you'll enjoy it. It's a good episode. It's a little different than what we typically do. Um, I will say I do have one request for everybody listening. Take a second, go into your iTunes, specifically if you listen to the podcast on your iPhone in the podcast app, and just give us a five star. Uh, it helps a lot with the iTunes algorithm. It's actually the largest component of the iTunes algorithm. And it just helps the podcast move up the charts and be more visible uh, and more easily to find for anybody looking for it. So again, enjoy the episode. I think you'll have a, you'll enjoy hearing a little bit of the behind the scenes and we'll talk to you guys soon. Kevin, what's up, man? What's going on? So thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and being part of this little 50th episode slash one year celebration you know folks that have been longtime listeners to the podcast you were one of the early earlier interviews and quite frankly the best damn socks i've ever bought that's what i'm talking about yeah man uh, happy to be back thanks for having me on looking forward to kind of flipping the script on you this time yeah so we'll continue the format of what we've been doing in this episode but uh it's uh, your opportunity to ask away cool um basically where i wanted to start um, cause it kind of sounds like this podcast was an opposite experience to kind of what I've gone through with my business, where my whole goal the whole time was kind of grow this thing, you know, as quickly, um, and sustainably as possible. And it seems like your goal was more, uh, to kind of inform and inspire the male millennial generation and I guess whomever else could find value in it. Um, but more importantly, I imagine was the opportunity of this allowing you to reach out to other people you may have never, you know, met or conversed with and have interesting conversations. And uh, I'm sure you learned a ton yourself. Um, But to my understanding, you haven't really done much aside from putting out a hell of a podcast to market it and grow it. Um, So I did want to get your perspective on what you thought the, the main driving factor of that organic growth was, and then also kind of I mean, where you are now on episode 50 compared to where you were a year ago, episode one, two, three. Yeah, that's a really good question because there hasn't been any advertising per se. There hasn't been, um, well, correction, people who have been on my podcast that own businesses or platforms have used the podcast as an advertising tool for their own businesses. Sure. So like Nate Nate Cahoe has used it. Uh, for stay circles, he's put some advertising dollars behind it and plugged it on um, Reddit and a couple of other things. And I know we have a standing page on on the Southern Scholar Socks website. Mm-hmm. Um, so so things like that have happened to where maybe somebody finds one of the individuals or the businesses that that we've featured in an interview, and then it leads to them coming to us. But it really had been this organic growth it's all word of mouth and it's all pretty much social media and and people just sending it out to other folks and i think what's been 
the most interesting, and, and I'll repeat this, even though I said it in one of the other segments, I used to check the numbers religiously and almost obsessively until I realized that I actually had a standing audience. And then I stopped caring about the numbers. That's been very liberating. And, um, you know, I think the coolest part about the podcast to me, you know, is the impact we're having on folks, but also I've made tons of friends. Uh, some of them I've never met case in point, like this scenario of, of just really cool people who have got really cool stories and, you know, 2019 is a crazy time to be alive because you can connect with folks across the country, across the world and build genuine relationships with them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, for example, everyone's for the most part when they're trying to start something, whether it's a business or podcast or website, or blog, whatever it is, um, their first kind of method of, oh, this is what we need to do to grow is like grow an Instagram account, right? Um, mm-hmm. You post on your personal uh, every time you have an episode drop and kind of give us a brief on who it is and whatnot. But uh, to my knowledge, the Millennial Manhood uh, Instagram page doesn't is not very active. Um, no, no. So that's just a testament to the quality of the content that you're putting out and the value that you're bringing to people that this thing is just kind of growing via word of mouth. Um, that's something that every business, regardless of you know sector and industry, is striving for. Um, so first off, kudos. Um, but yeah, my the kind of the follow up to that question is was what do you think it was just the 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 quality of the conversations or the uniqueness of your podcast and in, in in that space the people that you're interviewing what do you think's the thing that's bringing people back week after week because um, i know i listen to every episode on wednesday when it drops if i don't get to it wednesday for some reason traveling or whatever i hit it thursday morning religiously um and i feel i would be doing that had I not even been on it and just discovered it, I would still be doing that. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, but what do you think is what's bringing people back every week? So Paul Arnold, I had him on probably 10 episodes ago. He brought up a good point and said what he appreciated and why he reached out to me about doing an episode was we're not trying to sell anything. So, and don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with selling. I sell for a living. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so I want to make that very, very clear. I'm a big fan of providing uh, benefit for an exchange of compensation. Um, But within the podcast itself, we're we're not trying to sell anything. And what he really meant in that was it's not like we're trying to present ourselves as one thing and then actually provide something else. Um, Because the conversations are so genuine, that's what I think is the most appealing part about it to myself. I have to listen to every episode multiple times. So... You know, as much as I, I love putting out good content for other people, I really need to put out content for myself that's good because I'll go insane if an episode's terrible and I'm having to edit. Right. Um, so I, I think it's just the genuine nature of the conversations. I think it's some of the topics that have been touched on. I think it's the fact that for good or, or bad, I don't really have a filter when it comes to asking questions, uh, whether it's in my personal life or in a podcast. And that's allowed me to relatively quickly build strong relationships with people to where they're willing to open up. And that might be a gift. That might be a curse. I'm not really sure yet. I'm not old enough to figure that out, but I think it's on the good side. And I think that's translated into the podcast. I don't know. You're a listener. What what keeps you coming back every week? Um, I mean, not to pump your tires or anything, but I feel like of all the podcasts I listen to for the most part, I mean, Tim Ferriss is very much this way. Um, and that might be the largest compliment I've ever given, given anybody. Um, but I was about to say, thanks. Yeah, (laughs) but you can just tell by the the way that you ask things and the things that you ask. um, It's just, 
it's genuine, it's real, you're actually interested in it, you're not just fishing for content to fill an hour episode. Um, so it's very engaging for the listener, in my opinion, as well as when you're the one being interviewed. Um, the the questions you ask, the things that, that, that kind of trigger ideas when somebody says something and, and you come back with a question, I'm usually like, shit, how did he... How did his brain go to that as his next question? But that's a phenomenal uh, segue. Uh, and now that he's mentioned that, I am very you know curious on that. So the whole episode, um, I would say 95% of the ones I've listened to, it's one of those podcasts where I intend to kind of have it on in the background while I'm working, and I find myself completely focused on it, which doesn't typically happen with podcasts. Um, it's like I'll hear something you know every 30 seconds or a minute or so that I just kind of take a mental note of, um, but whenever I listen to yours, it, it seems to really kind of draw me in on every every topic change, every segue. Um, so yeah, just just the genuine uh, genuineness, I guess, about of the content and questions that are being asked. Uh, that's kind of what's what's held my attention. Well, and one of the things, and you know this because of when we, you and I connected, but one of the things that I try to do before we do an episode is um, I try to talk to the person and just get to know them just via the phone a couple of days before. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but before every recording, I tell the person I'm about to interview, if we can impact one person's life with this interview today, it's yeah, mission accomplished. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, when, when we connected, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. When we connected, um, I believe we got on the phone for 15 or 20 minutes, maybe just one day before um, and, and just kind of bullshitted. There was no you know script, no questions, no um, no foreshadowing of what was going to be asked the next day. And then the next morning we got on and it was like, Hey, let's, uh, let's get these mics synced up and let's go. Um, and so for me, not having any idea what was going to be asked and in the content prior, um, obviously makes my responses real, but also shows me that you have no idea how I'm going to respond to something. So when you have an engaging follow-up question that was clearly built off of something I said, that shows me that you're not just like reading off of a script of questions, right? You're actually listening to what I have to say, processing it, taking something from it and then, and then formulating a follow-up to get more information on it. Well, and everybody's interesting because everybody's story is different. So part of my process is obviously I do my research on the individual because I want to know what's going on in their life. And then I talk to them, we chat, we connect. Uh, sometimes I don't get an opportunity to connect at a high, at a high level um, with someone, but typically they're a referral from somebody I know or somebody who's been on the podcast or they've given me some sort of baseline background um, but I typically have about three questions ready to go. Quite frankly, I typically don't make it to the third question. I tell folks, hey, give us a 10,000 foot view of who you are. And then I go into the first question. And then typically 50-50, I'll get to the second question. But a lot of the times, based on what they answer off of the first question, I go down a completely different rabbit hole because I want to go down a train of thought that's truly going to engage people into the conversation and really help them just see whatever the big picture is there, because I don't really know what the big picture is just yet when we start the conversation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that's, what's really valuable to me. I listen to, um, one podcast in particular that I, I like a lot. Um, it's run by a founder. He interviews founders, um, and it's phenomenal. I get a lot of value from it, but my only complaint would be, uh, Almost everybody that he's interviewed, if not everybody, has been somebody that he knows very mm -hmm. well, um, and he sticks to a preset number of questions, uh, or a pre sorry, a preset questions. It's it's a specific number of the exact same question for every founder, 
Um, and I mean, he does build off the responses and there's questions in between, obviously, but there's a certain number of just base questions and I get a lot out of it, but it also does become redundant. And you can tell that a lot of the questions he's asking, he already knows the answer to, which makes the follow-up less kind of, you know, genuine and engaging. I know I've used those two words 15 times at this point, but um, that's the real difference maker for your podcast, in my opinion, is I never know what the next question is going to be. And it's always something that, you know, has built off of a previous response and, and is something that, um, that, you know, everyone's wondering or nobody's wondering until you ask and then they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. I would really like to know that. Yep. So well, it holds the attention well. Well, and even outside of the podcast, I try to connect different folks that I interview and different conversations that I have with, you know, people that I think would enjoy getting to know each other. And right. I mean, you've already connected me with Jake. Yeah. And, and it's super, and then I've heard of people, you know, on Instagram, you know, DMing each other that have been on the podcast and getting to know each other. And there have been potential business deals that have come out of just this random idea that I started a year ago where I said, okay, finally I'll give in and do the stupid podcast and, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks and then have to explain to my wife why I spent a couple hundred bucks. Um, right. Because she was like, you're going to do what? And I was like, I'm doing a podcast. And she was like, why? And I said, I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll work. I promise. And it does. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, just building off that, um, I've got full intentions of swinging by. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Is it Adam that has the best book suit shop in Nashville? Oh no, uh, 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 Richard's Richard's bespoke is what you're talking. Richard, about. yeah, Richard. Yeah, yeah. So Stephen Richard. Reason I was thinking, I was thinking Adam Richards for some reason. Um, yeah, Richard bespoke. I have full intention of swinging by there when I'm in Nashville because um, I, I would love to see it. I think it might be appointment only. I was going to give him a ring, but I would love to see what he's what he's got going there. Um, and obviously, you and I are going to going to try and connect when I get out there. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny. Fifty episodes. I personally know maybe two or three people that you've interviewed. But I almost feel like I know 15, 20 of them um, just, you know, from listening to their story through you. Yeah, it's it's a really it's just a really cool, cool way to connect folks. And 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 I, I know I'm being redundant here because I've mentioned this in other segments. Never in a million years did I think that this project would have the impact on my life that it had and and continues to have. And, you know, it's 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 weird. It's, you know, I share it on LinkedIn. So even though I haven't monetized the podcast, I have indirectly make, made money off of this podcast via the people I've met, via you know potential clients. Um, and this has happened like probably five times at this point in the last couple of months. I'll share a podcast on LinkedIn. Potential clients, obviously in my business world, will see it, will listen to it, and then let me know like, hey, that sold me on working with you for sure because it shows another side of my personality outside of the context of finance. Where they could, where they get to gauge my character and and my moral compass outside of a quote unquote sales role. So that that's been really cool as well. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what it is. It's a little peek into your character and seeing who you are, and then realizing this is absolutely someone that I can trust rather than just you know someone pitching me to invest my money for me. You know, you get that all the time. Um, so yeah. getting to see someone for who they are outside of that kind of sales role, I'm, I'm sure that's had a good impact. Um, but you made a comment that, you know, you had no idea how much of an impact this would have on your life. Um, and obviously you're getting some value out of these conversations. As you said, you're not monetizing this thing. If anything, it's probably costing you a little bit of money um, and a lot of time. 
Um, so, you know, I imagine that you're getting a lot of value out of these conversations and that's why you're continuing to do it. Um, and to hit, you know, 50 episodes in a year is, is pretty remarkable for uh, the first year. Yeah. And, and like you and I talked about earlier, so this, this is going to come out in April. Um, our first episode was released beginning of May, but the first three episodes were basically recorded April of 2018. So it's essentially a year, quite frankly, 50 sounded cooler than 52. Sure. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to get popped out every single week and, you know, we're going to keep growing it and scaling it with multiple podcasts as the goal. And for the love of everything, I really want to hire like an editor, right. like just outsource it. There's programs out there, but that's also, I'm sure that's what a ton of your time is going towards. Yeah. It's editing. It's finding people. It's, it's just, I have to prioritize appropriately. So obviously the parts of my life that genuinely generate revenue get priority number one. Um, but outside of that, it's, like I said, it's a passion project and it's wonderful. And, you know, I've, I've literally looked at my wife sometimes at 9 PM and said, go to sleep. I got to go edit the podcast. And she's like, really? I'm like, yes, I I need to go do that right now. So I know that all too well. Well, I wanted to ask you, since you'd been on the show, a lot has happened. So give the folks a little bit of an update on Southern Scholar Socks. Sure. Yeah. Um, I can't remember quite when I was on with you. I know it was maybe mid to late 2018. Yeah, I think uh, it was. I can look it up. It was September ish, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So shortly after that, um, we closed a uh, round of capital with a fund out here in Dallas um, that has allowed me to leave my nights and weekend job bartending, which we talked about a bit, um, and focus all of my time uh, on building Southern Scholar and, and getting it to where I want it to be. Um, and since September, man, I can't say for sure, but I can tell you that we've doubled in size since uh, January 1st. Um, wow. And we did quite a bit between September and the end of the year as, you know, Father's Day, or sorry, Father's Day. Um the holidays, Christmas and Black Friday and all that stuff plays a huge role uh, in, in our growth each year. So yeah, things have been going great. Um, it's it's a entirely different lifestyle um, now that I'm doing this full time again uh, and not having to kind of section my life between job one and job two and then personal relationships and you know trying to keep myself sane. Um, the hours I'm working definitely haven't changed, <laughs> but what I'm yeah. doing with them is at least something that I love and that I'm building for myself. Uh, so it's been phenomenal, man. It's been, a, it's been an awesome six months. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to keep it going. And, and just to reiterate one more time, I'm not getting paid to say this, but your socks are quite literally my favorite socks in my drawer. Like I go out of my way to wash them so I don't have to wear other socks. I'm telling you, man, that's the first two years was, I mean, the first two years we were live plus the year prior when I was getting everything ready, it was 95% of that time was focused on testing out these different material blends, these different cuts and, uh, and getting it perfect or, you know, as close to perfect as you can. Um, so yeah, I mean, I take a lot of pride in, in the quality of the product, the fit of the product. Um, and it's something that we're going to continue to improve upon, uh, but I'm very happy with where we're at. Uh, it means a lot to hear that from you and, and from other customers. I mean, that's why I do it. Um, hearing that, you know, that people can't actually tell the difference between these other socks they're buying. Um, hearing people that have never owned a suit reach out to me and tell me that, you know, they're now wearing suits three times a week in the office and they feel way more comfortable in their own skin because they know how to style it. And 
you know, how to match accessories and, and, you know, put together a full outfit. That's, that's what means the most to me. Um, so always love hearing that and I, and I truly appreciate it. Awesome. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on here again and, and doing a little, uh, Q and a segment. Um, again, we'll, we'll put all the information in the podcast, just like every other time, if anybody wants to reach out to you, but seriously, Southern scholar, it's Southern scholar.com, right? Or is yeah. it Southern scholar socks? Southern scholar.com. Southern scholar.com. It's good use of money. Fantastic socks, fantastic product, fantastic owner. Absolutely, man. I got one more for you before you you get rid of me here. Go for it. You mentioned you mentioned that you you do have a little intention to scale this thing um, or to start some other podcasts, and that was actually my last question was if you had intention to scale, um, and if so, are you going to continue to just kind of let it blossom organically, or or are you considering starting to um, make it you know more of a monetary side hustle and kind of pumping it and trying to grow it a little quicker? That's a good question. So I'm partially an all of all or nothing type of a guy. So I'm not just going to put 50 bucks a month into advertising and, and, you know, try to scale it that way. I feel like if I'm going to, um, really commit to it from a monetary standpoint, it has to make sense financially to where the amount of time I'm not spending on my, my financial planning practice, there has to be a relative offset. More so, what I've been thinking is creating a network of podcasts where I might not even be the primary individual on these other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I maintain the millennial manhood. And okay, uh, spoiler: we're creating a website, a blog. We we bought the domain. There's a lot of stuff in the works right now. I actually just paid for it the other day. But um, you know, I, I want to. I do want to keep it as organic as possible. But obviously, if you know, some massive website picked us up and promoted us in a, in an article or whatever it may be. I, I wouldn't complain about that. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, if you're not out there looking for that and, and seeking that out and paying for it, then that's still organic if they just pick you up. Correct. And again, that might change in six months or a year. If, you know, if we keep two Xing over and over again, you know, I might look at it and say, all right, now we're at a point where if there's ad revenue or if there's whatever, kind of a revenue potential um, to where it makes business sense. Um, But I always want to make sure that the mission stays pure of millennial manhood. And that's always been to help young, young people, not just young men, shoot people in general, you know, become better. Um, And and that's what gets me excited about the podcast and what gets me excited about, you know, finding new people and saying, Hey, you know, because sometimes I have to cold call people and say, Hey, I've got this podcast. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. Probably not. Here's what it's about. I'd love to have you on here. Follow up with me in three months. All right. In three months, I'll call you. I call them in three months. And they're like, crap, you followed up. I'm like, I know. Yeah, I yeah, told I you. for a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, like, I've got a CRM. It just pops up and says, call so-and-so today. I'm like, all right. Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, absolutely. Part of it is it depends. Always. Yeah. And I mean, I'll tell you from experience, especially when it comes to anything paid advertising, if you're not going to put everything into it and do it right you're just you're pissing money away so now now i will say if anybody out there wants to manage the social media for millennial manhood or has tips tricks whatever all about it because the reason the millennial manhood instagram is basically dead is because it's way too much work for me to manage all the social media and all 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 those aspects of it sure 
Well, yeah, man, let me know. If, I mean, I'm happy to provide some insight on that. Um, and then also if you sound like it said you're trying to build a website and a blog and all that, if you, um, I don't know if you've already got people lined up for that, but I've got a pretty good network in that space. So give me a holler if you need anything on that and uh, continue 2Xing. And before you know it, this will probably be your primary job if, or right there with the Fin practice. Uh, I appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. I'll see you in Nashville in a couple weeks. All right. See you, buddy. Have a good one. Drew, I'm super excited about you doing this little anniversary episode with me. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to be doing it. Especially considering you're all sick and, and uh, you're just a brave man. Well, I wouldn't, nothing I wouldn't do for you, old Yavitsa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, um, I've done the intro to the episode and all that good stuff. And really the theme of our conversation is, you know, you were one of my first guests. I think you were episode seven, eight. I don't, quite frankly, I don't really remember, but I'm pretty sure you're up there somewhere. Somewhere. Um, you definitely brought the heat on one of the earlier episodes just from a life standpoint. So, and you've been probably the biggest champion of our podcast um, from day one. So I figured I'd give you the opportunity to just after a year's worth of podcasting and a year's worth of millennial manhood and 50 episodes, anything you want to know. So go for it. Yeah. I think first of all, I want to say congratulations to you on having been able to do this for a year. And I think that maybe a lot of people don't even think about what would go into having a podcast that's been as successful as this one and and just being able to get the the caliber of interviewees that you've gotten on here. And I, I think that's one of the things that's blown me away. I think I told you when we went out to dinner last time that uh, I was just kind of floored because if you'd asked me back when you had started to talk about doing a podcast, whether I thought this would go on as long as it has or had been successful as it has, I would have said no, not as a discredit to you, but as just like I, I know how much work would need to go into it and I know how busy you are. So anyways, first and foremost, I wanted to say congratulations that uh, I am very proud to have been a part of this and, and I really am excited to see where you go from here. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, man. That means a lot. So some of the questions that I had thought of while I was preparing to, to have this conversation with you was obviously, first and foremost, what, who would you say is your favorite interviewee knowing that you've got one here on the phone with you? <laughs> Ooh, that's a, how about instead of favorite, I just say the one that's impacted, the ones that have impacted me the most in different ways. Is that fair? Yeah, even better. Okay. So I will say one of yours was one of my favorites just because early on, like I said, it brought the heat because we talked about such a personal topic. Uh, it was probably the first podcast where everybody's like, whoa, you know, this is like, you're not, you're not playing around with, with some of the topics you're willing to breach. The hardest interview I ever did, bar none, was the one I did with RJ. And I don't know if you remember that, but him talking about his father passing away and um, I think it's episode number, oh, it's up there. Yeah. No, number 22, him talking about his dad passing away and him having to take care of him in the, in the last moments of his life. And there was a time in that podcast because we did it. We did that one in purpose uh, in person, uh, just like we did yours, where I thought I was going to have to stop because I thought I was just going to break down and start crying. That was just such a heavy moment to, to listen to another one. Yeah. I, go ahead. I just, I remember that episode and that one is definitely one of my favorites just because um, I think that 
you guys got a lot deeper into his his story of his passing of his dad than than we did with uh, you know anything that we talked about during my own personal story. And I thought, man, just knowing RJ and and seeing what he had been through, that was that was crazy to hear it through his own voice. Yeah, it was it was incredibly powerful, and the feedback was incredible. Qu- quite frankly, the feedback's been incredible on every episode I've ever done. Um, I, I have yet to get a negative quote unquote comment or whatever, but actually there's one, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave that one for later. Um, next was, so this is a personal favorite of mine, uh, Robert Blagojevich's story, which was an hour and a half podcast, but I cannot tell you how many CEOs of major companies reached out to me on LinkedIn afterwards, thanking me for doing that episode. I'll be honest with you. That was, if you ask me which one was my favorite, that's the one I was going to say, because that's the one I reference when I tell people about the podcast. I'll be like, and maybe it's just because I'm geeky when it comes to politics and stuff, but hearing that kind of background story, I think that, uh, that, that, that one really just blew me away to hear his side of it and, and what went into that investigation and all that stuff. It was, if you haven't heard that podcast, it's definitely worth going back and giving it a listen. Cause it is very, very, uh, just insane to hear his side of it. Yeah, it's it's shocking. I had people reach out to me and say, "Hey, thank you for doing that." You know, I've dealt with prosecutors. I've uh, all kinds of commentary. Actually, you know, people that I'm not actually privy to mention on the air reached out to me, where and it just took me aback. But and then another one that I really enjoyed that again was just really heavy and really hard was with uh, Derek Folk. He uh, he you know, was talking about his book, chasing the rabbit, you know, life with a mm-hmm. kid on the spectrum. And he really got, um, just very personal. And he, he went to a deep level on that episode. And again, it's really hard to just pick a couple, but those are just the ones that really stand out to me. There's really cool stories and really exciting stories. But to me, a lot of times the hardest ones in the, and the stories where there's real deep overcoming of challenges, are the ones that probably impact me the most in the long term. But again, you know, that doesn't take anything away from all the entrepreneurs we've had on on the podcast and listening to their hustle and their struggle. And it's just a different, it's just a different feeling. It's hard to explain. Um, it's been really cool, you know, watching um, people react after we after we do an episode, and then I post it on social media. You know, like Southern Scholar Socks, I know for a fact that people have bought socks off of that podcast. That is the coolest thing in the world to me because it's not like I make any money off of that, but it's just the fact that I'm helping support somebody out there who's an entrepreneur, who's hustling, who's working hard, um, that that through a medium that I created, they have an opportunity to gain another customer and share their story and share their passion. That, that means the world to me. Yeah. And I think you said it with hustle. I mean, I think a lot of people know that, that, uh, the entrepreneurs in those roles have a lot of hustle, but hearing that they Uber and and do what it takes to, to make their dream happen is probably the coolest part about those types of stories. It's just the different things that they do till they get to that point where they can be successful. Um, so over the last year, what's been kind of the hardest point about the podcast has there ever been a time where you thought you know maybe it wasn't going to keep going i don't know about not keep going but i questioned whether i wanted it to keep going at one point 
not because I didn't enjoy it, but because it's a lot of work. Um, it's it's hard to put out an episode every single week, and sometimes I'm ahead of the curve, and I've got you know three in the in the backlog and sometimes I'm way behind and I'm, you know, scrambling on a Monday to get something out by Wednesday and it doesn't come out until Thursday because I recorded it Tuesday night and had to go to sleep and then, you know, worked a 12 hour day the next day. And that's part of life really being from cradle to grave, the main person that handles everything. But so I'll tell you this, this is what blew me away. I used to care so much on what the numbers on the podcast were, how many people downloaded it daily, weekly, monthly, whatever. I mean, I, I checked it daily and that went on. And I realized this later, that went on as long as I questioned whether anybody would actually listen to it. And then once I realized that people genuinely wanted to hear the next episode, I stopped checking the numbers and I tried to focus exclusively on just quality. And that was an interesting mindset shift for me. I can't really pinpoint when that happened, but it was almost liberating from a stress standpoint because I knew as long as I just focused on the quality and bringing good people on, that it was going to work. I don't know if that answered your question or not. No, it absolutely does. Um, and I didn't really think that you'd had too much of a down point because really since you started, it's just kind of grown and, and taken off since then. So what uh I know that when I listen to my own episode, which I've done twice, I think, man, I hate how my voice sounds and, and all that stuff. What what listening to your podcast, which I'm sure you listen to them regularly, what is something about yourself that you, you realize you flubbed up or are you just perfect all the time like I see you? <laughs> I'm not perfect. That's for sure. So I tend to ramble sometimes if I get on a passionate topic, which really drives me insane when I listen to it back, like back again, uh, I have to catch myself and say, whoa, hold on, slow down there. You know, make sure you're, uh, actually articulating an idea because in real life, I tend to think through things as I'm talking about it. And you can't really do that on a podcast effectively unless you're going to have a Joe Rogan type, you know, three, four hour podcast, which that sounds awesome. As soon as I can get 80 million listeners a month and make a couple million dollars a year off of the podcast, I'll gladly have four hour episodes. In Tehran, I still got to keep the light, lights on, got to, you know, got to pay the bills. Throw pillows are not cheap. Um, as I keep learning every time my wife goes to anthropology or Target or something. So, uh, the, the bill's got to get, keep getting paid on this end, but yeah, I can't, I can't, uh, get on those rambles and, and get overly excited about something. I have to catch myself and say, okay, don't do that. Uh, my voice has never really actually bothered me. I don't know why, uh, I've been complimented that I've got a good radio voice. I don't know if I agree with that, but I think it's just because I've heard myself on different recordings throughout you know, my career, I would record myself practicing what I would say in meetings with clients and then listen to myself and make sure it was articulate and, and getting the message across. But I would say the rambles are the number one thing as I ramble on this question. <laughs> well, so to, to stop the ramble, I'll say that one of my favorite things about the podcast is quotes. And I think we've talked about that since the very get go. It's, I mean, you've got the Milan quotes, and then you've got the people who've talked about their grandparents and their family members that inspired them to do things. What 
would you say is your favorite quote, if you can remember it off the top of your head, from the podcast so far? Ooh, that's a good question. There were so many. Yeah, I don't know if there's a quote that I can pick. I could, I mean, I think there's an overarching theme to the po- to the podcast that I love that keeps coming up over and over again. Um, What's that? It's okay. It gets better. Mm. I really, I really yeah. think that's the theme. It's okay. It gets better. No matter what you're going through, no matter what adversity is going on in your life, it's okay. You're not the only one. So that's key. And it gets better. And that's actually something you said in your episode is if you could go back to 18 year old, you, it, it gets better. Um, wh- whatever your challenge may be. And that's really what I'm trying to get across here in the sense that, you know, a lot of people feel like they're on an Island and that's probably the worst feeling you can have when you feel like you're on an Island. When in reality, you're not really on an island. There's not much that you can experience on this earth in this lifetime that somebody else hasn't already experienced. And we can learn from those previous mistakes and lives and whatever it may be. So it's it's okay. And then it gets better. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So Absolutely. And I think that hearing all the different stories where, you know, uh men have talked about just being in really just low times in their life, whether it's because of death occurred in their family or financial struggles or problems with their kids. It's crazy to hear about Mm -hmm. the thing that you can relate to and the thing that you can't. And yeah, it's definitely been a huge theme listening to the podcast. And like you said, it's definitely a a huge thing for men in, in our generation to to kind of grab onto and know that if they are just persistent, you know, that there's, if they lean on the people around them, they're going to, they're going to be successful and they're going to get out of it. Um, what, what kind of, I know you've gotten feedback. What has been the best feedback? Want, you always hey, tell everyone. Start that, start that question over. I, I'll, the last thing I heard was, I know you've gotten feedback. Oh, okay. Uh, so I know you get feedback on your episodes. What has been the best constructive criticism that you've gotten overall so mm. far? Best constructive criticism I've gotten overall so far. Probably the don't ramble. Um, what else? I, probably my biggest constructive critic is my wife in a good way. She, she will just call out little things that she hears and she knows she can say them to me because she's not going to hurt my feelings. It's more like just small things like, Hey, you said, you said this word wrong. And you know, English is my third language. And uh, there's certain, <laughs> there's certain things that I say from time to time that aren't necessarily grammatically correct. Uh, so she'll call me out on that. But overall, there's not been that much constructive criticism. The majority of the feedback has been, keep it up. Thank you. And you know who the number one demographic group has been that has reached out to me online and thanked me for this podcast? Mm-mm. Millennial women. It's And it's huh. not even close by far. When, when you've gotten some of those messages, what, what are they saying? What, what about it is, is so important to them? Thank you. This is incredibly important. Um, 
if you ever need a female's opinion, I know some people, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's typically been th- thanking me in some capacity for, uh, you know, the, the work that I'm doing to try to help young men just become better. And, you know, it, the, the, the title is millennial manhood and it is geared towards men, but it's, it's really, my mother-in-law said this, she, she said the title should have been millennial humanity because it applies to everybody. And the concepts and the themes and, and the things that we're talking about. And, you know, it's in women's best interest for you, for men to be better, just like it's in men's best interest for men to be better. And it's in men's best interest for women to be better. It's in all of our best interest to all as humans get better. But yeah, the, the overwhelming majority has been millennial women reaching out to me and, and thanking me in some capacity. That's awesome. My wife is a big fan and listens to it regularly, mostly because I make her, but <laughs> big fan in general. So I, I think one of my favorite things about you is your relationship with your dad. And I think that that's a lot of, a thing that a lot of men can aspire to have is to have their children think of them as highly as you think of your dad and, and do for your children what your dad has been able to do for you. What um, Does he get to listen to the podcast regularly or no? No, dad doesn't really listen to the podcast and there, there'd be a language barrier anyway for him to really be truly able to appreciate it. But we talk about it. We talk about the guests. Mm-hmm. I talked to him about obviously the Milanisms. Like I, so fun fun fact: the way I do Milanisms is I call my dad, I tell him to tell me the story in Serbian. I record it, then I listen to it, I translate it, I write it down, and then I record it. Hmm. That's how Milan. When can we look forward to our next Milan? I was actually episode. talking to him about this last weekend. I need to get him to record a couple with me. I'm actually thinking about. Getting my dad on the podcast somehow, it, it would be an interesting experiment from a from an English standpoint because I'd have to edit so much stuff out in him. He's a very intelligent man, but he has a hard time articulating what he wants to articulate in English as he's thinking about it in Serbian because he's very eloquent in Serbian. So it, it there's a lot of rambling because he's trying to get to a point and he doesn't know how to get to it. So we'd have to figure out how to do that. But I think there's a Milanism coming up on the horizon pretty soon. I just, like I said, I just need to do, put in the time to actually record him telling the story so that I can translate it and then record it, obviously, on the podcast. Well, as a fan of he and Chichamicha, I am very much in support of that next <laughs> Chichamicha. Again, I stand by this. Never in a million years would Chichamicha have thought, I'm gonna, people are going to be talking about his stories in America in 100 years. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. Um, so what's next? What's your your next biggest accomplishment in the next year or even longer? What are you what are you striving to hit next? You know, I don't know what the goal is for the podcast from a scale standpoint because I'm pretty much maxed out if I'm going to be a one man show. Um I might hire editors, producers, whatever it may be if I can outsource it appropriately for the right price, if, if the audience continued to grow. Um, but just personally, you said something to me that really struck me. It was off the air. It was months probably after you and I recorded your episode. So a little bit of an announcement since you were, you had your recording, you've become a father. So congratulations. Yes. And, and I Thank think you. it was after my episode you listened to it and you texted me and said, listening to your episode made me want to be a 
father that my kids can look up to at that level. And it was something along those lines. And that struck me in my soul. If somehow this podcast can continue to impact people in that manner, and we just 10 exit from an impact standpoint, that's worth every extra minute of work that goes into this thing. And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's not just what you just said. I mean, I think about it like this, um, the, the applicability, you know, to my own personal life. I don't know uh, if other people have the same experience I do with the podcast, but I mean, the other day I was driving into work and uh, you were talking about um, friendships, which I know that it's important to you to uh, kind of be the provoker of friendships. If, if it goes silent, you're going to make sure and see what's going on and check up on a person. And that's something that I didn't do probably before I met you, but that's something I do now. I, uh, if I haven't talked to a guy in a while, you know, maybe it's not even that good of a friend, but it's somebody who I knew, um, could use somebody to just reach out to them. It just, they'll pop into my head sometimes. And I'll be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta text that guy and see how he's doing. So I regularly, if I, if one of my friends goes silent or something like that, I, I, I keep in touch with them just to see, and I don't know how much it means to them. I just know that it means a lot to me when people randomly being like, Hey, you know, how's, how are, how's the baby doing? How's Danielle doing? That kind of stuff out of nowhere. That's an important part of being a millennial right now. Just being there for your friends when nobody else is. Yeah, 100%. That's very true. And it's just, uh, it's a reality in, in so many different ways. And we've kind of lost that heart. And I'm glad that it's not just this podcast. It's a whole movement trying to bring that back in, into reality. You, you want to wrap this up? So, yeah. Go for yeah. it. Um, okay. Well, I think that the best way to wrap this up, I, I think I told you from the get-go that I think you should have, uh, if you could fit it in, more questions that uh, like the uh, what would you ask yourself at 18. Um, and I think uh, a good one of those would be, where do you see yourself 18 years from now, based on what you've learned from the podcast and the people and the experiences you've had. You know where I think that could really fit in? Um, I plan on doing follow-up episodes on people that I've interviewed, asking them that in the follow-up mm-hmm. episode after there's yeah, been a that'd be great. transition and a change and all that good stuff. So no, but um, Drew, like I said, I appreciate you. You were one of the first and, and biggest champions of millennial manhood. Uh, thanks for taking a little bit of time to ask me some questions and try to catch me off guard. I appreciate you and, and thanks for having me on, man. I really I really do look forward to hearing more of your podcast and, and growing with you. 